The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. All right, as promised, uh, I've got a guest I've been. Uh, Happily anticipating uh, the opportunity to talk to for days now. A lot of things happening this week down at City Hall from the ongoing Metro Line LRT debacle, shall I call it, to how to properly regulate pot shops and uh, necessary changes to pedestrian buttons at Edmonton crosswalks. And then there's all those dangerous intersections to dig deeper and help break things down for us. I welcome uh, Ward 1 City Councilor Andrew Knack to the show. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're between meetings right now. Oh no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I've got I've got a literally this is the thickness of yellow pages here. The things I want to talk to you about. So I'll get to as many as possible. Let's start with the big one, uh, LRT, and. Uh, you know, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, I know that, uh, as we all know now, uh, that under the contract, uh, TELUS has been notified of, uh, what do they call that, a deficiency or notice of default? Notice of default, yeah. Right. Now, you're not going to be able to talk uh, about that in detail because it'll probably end up in litigation. And I've looked at the statement from TELUS, and uh, they look to be, you don't need to comment on this either, posturing for what will be a legal battle, saying that they continue to work on the line and make it work. I want to go back. This line was supposed to open in April of 2014, correct? That's correct. All right. When did we actually, when did we order up the bids on this? What year was that in? Oh, it was it was uh, even quite a bit before that, I believe, and, and my apologies because I, I wasn't on around that time, but I think it was around... Uh, 2009, 2010, around that point in time? Sounds about right. Just right when I started radio, in fact. So my question is this, Andrew, and just, you know, because of our time constraints, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Mm -hmm. How did we order a system that doesn't work? And what have we done to ensure that that can't happen again? Well, I think the, the best way to sort of talk about, you know, how did it happen, and more importantly, what have we learned, uh, back in August, I think it was August 2015, we had our city auditor go through a detailed review of, of that process and provided a number of recommendations that uh, things that we could uh, be aware of going into the future if we were ever going to go through some of those challenges. And I think one of the key pieces on the city side, and this was talked about in that audit, was that uh, when this is first put out the tender, the, the contract was split into two different parts, uh, one for the signaling system and, and then one for some of the, for all the other work. And I think the suggestion from the audit was uh, for projects of this scale, it, it would make more sense to be together for, for that. So that was one of, of many, many lessons that came from that audit. And, and anyone who's interested, those are always public documents right on the city website. And it's just be, we could probably spend an hour just mm. reviewing uh, the, the the specific recommendations from the audit, but there were a lot of process changes that were made uh, because of that. Uh, there were reporting changes made on on the city council side as well. So now we get reports 
three times a year on all of our all of our significant capital projects to, so that we can keep track of what's going on. Um, so as an example, we now know, and as of uh, December 31st, 84% of our significant capital projects are on or ahead of schedule, and 100% of them as of that same time were on or under budget. But we know that because we get these regular reports now, we can keep track of what's not going well, what are we doing to mitigate issues for a project that has gone, uh, that's gone outside of the schedule. Um, those are some major changes because of this process, and I, I'm glad we've had that audit. It's unfortunate it came to this to, to get to that point, but I think we're a lot better off because of what's uh, what we've learned from that audit now. Well, as you say, Andrew, uh, most of this predates both your time and others' uh, time on council. It's not your fault, but it is your problem. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would hate to ever suggest, yeah, I don't think it's fair to suggest that, you know, we have no responsibility in this. I think the audit showed we all had things to learn from that and things to take action on. And so uh, it's, it's not, I, I, for me, this is still something we have to continue to work on. Project management in general is something we continue need to need to work on as a city. And uh, with these regular reports, we're seeing progress being made. But, you know, again, it, we, we shouldn't get too excited yet. Well, let's continue to see how this goes. Let's see if there's a trend that continues. And, uh, and hopefully we'll have uh, seen that all of these changes have had a really positive impact. The trend in what we're seeing right now is it's looking like that. We'll continue to watch it as it goes forward. So you're saying the trend with regard to major projects, but with Correct. regard to this specific project, uh, late last year, I don't remember, November, December of 2017, uh, and I remember seeing this news release from the city and I described it at the time as jaw-dropping, I remember that that the system ordered the technology was uh, designed for an LRT system that wasn't at ground level mm-hmm. and and that the two systems were not the same, that they don't cooperate with one another and again my question at the time was and my question to you now is how do we, how does the city order something that was destined to fail. You know, I, I you know, it, it's it's impossible for me to answer. You know, sort of the what what went into all of the decision making back then. But I, I do think it's worth saying. You know, in in the end, when this did go out to tender, a number of companies put bids on it, and all had suggested it was possible and provided dates as to when they think they were able to achieve that. And so, I don't think it's uh, something as simple as when that decision was made. This was just a, it was a Hail Mary pass. Somebody was hoping this might work. I think there, there was enough to suggest that uh, every company bidding felt they could achieve what, was, what the city was looking to, to get. Okay, fair, fair. Now, um, there was a report that came out just yesterday, the day before, the 2015 Household Travel Survey. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't help but notice, uh, because we're very, uh, you know, people will tell us on this show, Uh, I don't know a more clever way to put this to you than just to put it to you. The listeners of this show often text us, phone us, and say that the city has a war on cars, that mm-hmm. that they, you know, that you're just so LRT-centric and, and, you know, mass transit-centric, that, but the city's design doesn't accommodate that. And this 2015 household travel survey would seem to suggest that there's something in that complaint. Because as a percentage-wise, from 10 years ago, there is no change in the number of people who are riding public transit per this survey, and yet we've spent billions on public transfer, transit. So how do, yes. you, how do you rectify those two? 
Well, I mean, the numbers didn't shock me by any, I was expecting that. And I think, uh, so let's, and when we talk about transit, we can really separate into two pieces. We've got our existing bus system along with our, our current LRT, but taking the existing bus system, uh, a few years ago, we started the process to do a complete overhaul, and, and people have probably been seeing a lot of the advertisements around the fact that our bus routes are going to be changing because our system has been very inefficient. Uh, it, so it doesn't shock me that we've seen, uh, you know, a 13 percent uh, of our population using transit in the city of Edmonton because for most people, it's not efficient enough. It's not a viable option. Uh, you know, it might work if you're on the main line and you're going for myself, you know, coming in from the west end to downtown. I can jump on one bus and it's fairly consistent. But if you live outside the Henday in the west end, as an example, and you want to take the bus into downtown, well, great, you've got that super express bus. But then once you hit the hub and you want to get from the hub to your home, what might be a two or three minute drive can sometimes be a 20 minute bus ride for a bus that runs once every 60 minutes. So it's not been an efficient system, and so those 2015 numbers don't shock me because we've needed to revamp that, and that's what we're working on. Uh, and then the other piece is that we really haven't had, besides, again, the LRT that's been in existence, which moves 100,000 people or so a day. So it's, that's not something we should ignore and, and gloss over. That's a, that's a fairly significant amount of people, but we've only ever had it for the, for the south part of the city and the northeast. See, yeah. in my mind, Andrew, i got to tell you, and I, I'm yeah. curious to see your reaction, and we've talked about this, it's a, it's a pretty popular topic here on the afternoon news. I've often said, uh, look, I live not far from Century Park. Mm-hmm. I, I live in Twilliger, Century Park is not too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the winter, I don't want to stand outside waiting for a bus to take me to Century Park. So I want to okay. drive to Century Park, and I want to board the train there and then go to a concert, a sporting event, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But there's no parking, there's or there's not sufficient parking, and it just seems like again that there's a a big plan that when it's first formulated that you know what hey uh, what if we had this uh, LRT that goes to this suburban area and uh, we'll use it as a hub for people they can come by bus or come by car and if I'm not mistaken the original plan for Century Park came with parking. And then somewhere along the way, we say, well, it's going to be too expensive to have parking, or, or we sold the property, or we're going to develop it for something else. And now the big plan doesn't work because of the small piece that's missing. Mm-hmm. Well, in parking, yeah, it's, it's a pretty critical uh, part of this. I mean, if, you, if, if there's any hope to ever see that number shift, it, we can't immediately go from people driving 100% of the time to people using transit 100% of the time, because again, to your point, it's an inefficient system from the hub, Century Park in your case, to your home. And that's what happens in a lot of areas. And it's the same thing that for the West LRT, uh, when the plan was first approved, uh, the plan was to actually shrink the park and ride at uh, the end point at Lewis Estates uh, down to 275 stalls. We've changed it as of uh, the end of March to increase that substantially. But yeah, that's a, that's a pretty critical piece if you want people to have the choice to use our transit system. Otherwise, they're not going to make that choice because it's just too hard to get from that destination, that hub destination, then to that final. It's what we often refer to as like the first mile, last mile, and that's part Mm -hmm. of the conversation around this transit system. How do we make sure there's viable options? Parking is one of them, and you need to have that. The other piece is we need a more viable connection point for that first mile, last mile, and that's part of this transit review that we're doing over the next two years and and the overhaul 
um, we can have some really different options to get people from the hub to their home in a much shorter amount of time than a once every 60 minute bus. Okay, I've got a lot of other topics I want to touch sure. on with you and a general theme, but I need to take a break. Um, are you good to hold for a couple of minutes? Absolutely. Perfect. We'll do that and then return with uh, Ward 1 Councillor Andrew Knack. 321 on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. We've been speaking with Ward 1 Councillor Andrew Knack. Andrew, thanks uh, so much for being so liberal with your time this afternoon. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, what could uh, be described as a, a possibly uh, a, a, an ambush-type question. So hope you're Excellent. sitting down. My favorite. All right. So we've talked about the Metro Line, and I think it's, you know, we can all acknowledge no matter whose fault it was, we've got a huge problem with the Metro Line, right? Mm-hmm. Fair. Okay. We've talked about uh, public transit and how the system doesn't quite work the way it should work, whether it be the bus routes, the timing of them, or the parking. And, and I think we came to an agreement on that. Yeah. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about playground zones, and and again, I'll, I'll just you know characterize the conversation. If if I totally, I'm out of bounds. You tell me, um, because I'm I'm just trying to get this all out and then ask the question before we run out of time. So we have uh, you know the need to um, reduce speed. So we designate a whole bunch of places as playground zones, and then after the fact, we kind of determine we be in the city that uh, well maybe not all of these are playground zones, and the definition was too broad that if kids play there, it's a playground. Um, but no, it should be a you know the definition. Perhaps that the province put forward 10 years ago, or it should at least include equipment or be a certain distance from the road, that kind of thing. So we're going back to redo those. Is that a fair characterization of that situation? Uh, I, I would, to a degree, I would say there's, there's, it was more tweaking than anything else because there's a handful of locations that may be changed, but it is not a, it is not a redo of the entire uh, right. playground zone uh, project, okay. if you will. Uh, funicular. Mm-hmm. So the funicular, um, you know, I. Uh, I have not been on the funicular, but I understand many people have enjoyed it. Uh, but I'm told that the purpose of the funicular, and there is a point, there is a question coming. The purpose of the funicular was to allow for those who uh, had uh, mobility issues, uh, perhaps disabled, or pedestrians, uh, hikers, bikers, to be able to get down a steep hill in a, in a really nice way. Um, but the funicular doesn't actually go all the way to the bottom of the hill, and you have to take an elevator, and when the funicular opened, the elevator wasn't working. Is that also fairly accurate? There were, I think there were a few points that where it was, and I think generally it's been working uh, the vast majority of the time from what I've been told through city staff. Yeah, I think, you know, the complaint we had heard from people who had tried it is that it was often not working in very cold weather. Yeah, there were there were a couple of occasions I think uh, where that happened, and I think there's obviously some work to still be done that would be well under warranty to make sure that's addressed. All right. So here's my ambush question for you, Andrew. <laughs> sure. Can you understand where a regular citizen would take a look at the problems with the signaling signaling system on the metro line of the LRT, or they would look at uh, a transit system that doesn't quite serve their purposes properly, or school zones that need to be redone, or a funicular that doesn't work 100% as promised. My question is, can you understand, as frustrating as it is for you as a counselor, how frustrating it is for a citizen, and how that a citizen, in looking at just those stories I've talked about, could walk away saying, those guys don't know what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think for me it, that that's 
it's been frustrating. Like you say, it's been uh, some of those issues have been incredibly frustrating for us. And yeah, I can completely understand why uh, people would be concerned about certain issues and and more generally. Uh, I think that's the importance of us trying to regularly talk about what we've been doing to address the variety of issues. Uh, again, we already talked a lot about what we've changed on project management. A lot of changes that have occurred over the last three years, which should help with uh, the majority of the projects and have been. Uh, you know, talking about the transit system, like we say, the bus system has been inefficient, but the policy hadn't been changed in 20 years. Mm. We, as of a year ago, said, let's go and overhaul the system, and so that work is underway. So I think absolutely somebody would look at that and say, yeah, I could be frustrated about that. And then hopefully the next piece, or the next thing they say is, well, I'm glad that there's action being taken on a number of these things, and I can see the action in detail. Uh, and that's the important piece, and that's sometimes the challenge, which is that the with the follow-up activities, that action, aren't always communicated nearly as well as they need to be. So somebody might just see the problem and not necessarily see something being done about it. And whether that's just we haven't communicated well enough or we haven't been out enough with that information, that's that's the part that I think would be really frustrating to somebody if there was no action on that. Yeah, and you know what, Andrew, between you and I and, you know, 10,000 listeners, um, all the information is on the city website. But in reality, people don't count on the city website to get that information. They count on shows like this. Yes, yeah. you know, and that's where you need to get the word out. And I know, as I say, Andrew, honestly, uh, of all the counselors, you're the most available of them all. So I know that you've gone taking great strides to do that, and I really do respect you for that. But when you talk about solving problems, and we're almost out of time, there are 659 crosswalks classified as either dangerous or needing upgrades in the city of Edmonton right now. Mm-hmm. And, and from my understanding, the city has dedicated $2 million per year to change that. And my math tells me that that would take 30 years. Yeah. So when you say that the city sees the citizens see the city doing something about it, you can't imagine that there's a single citizen that thinks a dangerous intersection could wait 29 years for for a fix. No, and I think that was the benefit of the meeting yesterday, which is I think there was clear direction given that nobody thinks, I I shouldn't say no, but I don't like to generalize that much, but I would be shocked if, I think it's fair to say the vast majority of people feel that is an unreasonable target. And so that was the purpose of getting that report in front of all of council, because it gave us the opportunity to say, no, that's not acceptable. Let's figure out a way to expedite that process. And uh, and yes, everything costs money, and so you have to do that in balance with the larger budget conversation. But I think it's reasonable to say people should feel safe being able to cross a major roadway uh, with the necessary infrastructure in place. So so that, that was the point of getting that report. That was an inquiry I made a, a few months ago to say, let's get this on an agenda so council can tackle the policy piece. And uh, and to the committee's credit, yesterday they put forward some great motions that I think are going to result in a much quicker resolution to that than a 30-year process. Well, I hope you can say the same, Mr. Knack, but I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely, always love chatting. Excellent. Thank you for doing it. We have to do it again because I didn't even get to cannabis and uh, licensing, and I really wanted to talk about that too. But we'll do it another time. Thank you once again for your time. All right, Thank take you. care. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.